Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. It is Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And a note before we start. I know we did not do a show yesterday, and there's a reason for that. That was actually intentional on my part. I apologize for those who didn't who were, were looking to hear us and uh, didn't hear us yesterday, and I apologize for that. But here's the reason I didn't do it. I'm not going to be one of those guys that makes up stories and makes up talking points and picks a side for no reason. You can get that on sports radio. You can get that sometimes on ESPN, uh, on on the big talking heads, Colin Coward, Skip Bayless, you know, Stephen A. Smith, whoever, whoever you want to decide to choose. I'm not going to be one of those people that makes up talking points and you know stuff like, well, 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 what's your favorite Boston sports moment of the past 30 years, and what do you think was the worst mistake a Boston's team has made, and you know stuff like that. I, I, that's not what I do. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not going to get involved in, in, in driving talking points and coming up with, with insane opinions and hot takes just so, you know, I, I can I can kind of cover a 30-minute or a 45-minute show. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a show that, and we're going to have a show, that brings some salient discussion, <clears throat> some relevant discussion, stuff that sports fans, real sports fans actually want to hear. You can debate. I'm not saying that 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 the, that the what's your favorite Boston sports moment of the past 40 years, and you know should should the Red Sox go out and sign another starting pitcher? You know their, their starting pitcher stink. Let's let's do something about it right now. I'm not suggesting that any of those hot takes are irrelevant. You can go discuss them with your friends, and like I said, you can hear them all the time. The real reason I started this podcast was because I was sick and tired of a lot of the the same kind of drivel. And the same kind of hot takes that that dominate sports talk radio and, and seem to dominate ESPN and Fox Sports and and all the other you know ma- major sports networks. I mean, I'm I'm not about that. That's not what I'm about. I'm a fan, but I want real real discussion of the teams. I want actual analysis, and I do my best to bring that to you every morning. And if I don't, I apologize. But I, I'm not going to make up a show when the stories are dry just to hear myself talk. And yesterday, we didn't have what I would consider, at least when I taped the, when I taped the show, uh, when I would normally do the show, and that's in the morning. At, at that point, about 24 hours ago, we didn't have anything that I felt was really worth discussing from a Boston sports standpoint. And if we don't have anything that's worth discussing, I'm not going to make you listen to me. It's just not worth it. So... I'm only going to give you a show from here on out. I know I said I would do it every morning, and, and you know most of the time there's stuff to talk about. There's real stuff to talk about, like there is today. But I'm only going to do a show if I believe that there are things worth discussing that the Boston sports fan really wants to hear, and we can actually break it down. I'm not going to be one of those these, these hot take kings. I, I decided a long time ago that that, 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 I was, that I was sick of that. It's what turned me off to sports talk radio in general. And I'm not going to do that. So I, when, I, when I was thinking about the show, you know, Tuesday night and, and, and when I woke up Wednesday morning, I said to myself, anything I could discuss now would be, would be crap. It just wouldn't be good, good discussion. It wouldn't be good sports discussion. And 
I decided it wasn't worth taping the show yesterday. So I apologize to those who were looking forward to listening to me, uh, to this show. And, and I, and believe me, I compl- I completely thank everybody. I, I, I am remorseful that I didn't get a show out to you. For those who, who are listening and who have been consistent listeners, thank you very much. It's, it's been a pleasure to, 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 to talk to you and, and to have you interact and, and to have you as audience, uh, uh, for this show. But, uh, I'm not going to bring a show if I don't think that there is something seriously worth discussing and something that I think the audience will get something out of, uh, some serious analysis that can be done. And I just did not think that yesterday presented that opportunity with very little going on in the Boston sports landscape. So that's why there was no show yesterday. Uh, again, I apologize for that, but that's what we're going to do moving forward. So with that, uh, let's get on with the show today. And what we're going to do is spend a little bit of time with each team because I think their story is worth discuss- discussing with each team. And let's start on the court with the Boston Celtics, who, again, as quietly as possible, are red hot. They went again last night and win convincingly, beating the Sacramento Kings. I think the final was 113-86. to It was something in that range. An easy win for the Celtics against an inferior team, sure. But a win is a win is a win. Six in a row for your Boston Celtics. They now hit the road and play what looks like a very interesting game against a good team, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The game is in Oklahoma City tomorrow night. If you can stay up on a Friday and watch it, uh, I, I hope you do because it'll be a very, very entertaining game. I generally can't last much past 10 o'clock on Friday. But uh, they're playing Oklahoma City tomorrow night. Uh, their, their first look at the new look, uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, Russell Westbrook still there, obviously, but Paul George and Carmelo Anthony now the supporting cast. But let's focus on last night's game for a second because you are starting to see a star emerge in Jalen Brown. And I don't know if you can really call it anything else. This kid is really playing well early on in the season. Another 23 for Jalen. Another 20 for Kyrie Irving, but you expected that out of Kyrie Irving, who's playing well. Don't take anything away from Kyrie Irving. He's done very well. Leading the team as he should. Nothing away from Kyrie. He's done great. But Jalen Brown is fast becoming a star. And I said it in the wake of the Gordon Hayward injury. I'll say it again now. The guy who stood to benefit, quote-unquote, most from Hayward being down for the season was Jalen Brown because it was it was him that's going to get the opportunities to score and, and to play more minutes with Hayward being injured. And I know they played separate, you know, somewhat separate positions. And you think, well, maybe Jason Tatum benefits, and Jason Tatum certainly does benefit, and he has played well. I'll get to him in a second. But Brown is now the shooting guard and you know, the, the guy who's being trusted to take a lot of big shots and he's making them. He's, 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 he, you already knew he was good at getting the, getting to the rim. You already knew he was a good defender. He's doing both of those again, but with Hayward being down, he's the veteran kind of guard outside of Kyrie Irving that the veteran kind of playmaker, even though he's only in his second year, but he's the veteran guy that teams are turning, that the team is turning to. For, the, for, for opportunities to score. So, you know, it is very nice. It's very early. Don't get me wrong. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he could go into a slump, and I'm sure he will go into a shooting slump at some point because everybody does. 
but he's been terrific so far. And if he keeps being terrific, I mean, remember, this guy was the number three pick in the draft. It's not like he's small potatoes. He was the number three pick in the draft. The Celtics chose him there for a reason. There were a lot of other places they could have gone with number three. And it was somewhat of a surprise to a lot of people that they went with Brown where they did. But if he can go, if he can get going the way he's been going, they might not be too bad. They're already a team worth watching. I think that's obvious. Already a team worth watching and worth following for the rest of the season, even with Hayward being down. But they still got a really good shot to win their division. I don't think they have enough to beat LeBron. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again, and I know the Cavs are struggling. I don't think they have enough to beat the Cavs. But if Jalen Brown is really good and keeps this up, they're worth watching. And I think the reason you know Jalen Brown is is really coming into his own or is starting to really play well is his shooting is drastically improved. He went five for six on threes last night. And that continues a trend where, where this guy has really shot the ball well. And as a starting shooting guard, they need it. They lost their best three-point shooter last from last year in Avery, Avery Bradley. And with Hayward being down, they need his shooting because, I mean, Irving is a good shooter. I wouldn't call him a great shooter. There's really not a lot of other guys on the team that are great shooters. And if, if Brown can be that guy, well, that would help an awful lot. That would really make up for Avery Bradley. They'll, they'll look like geniuses for... For, for letting Avery go. And I didn't want to let Avery go. I really liked Avery Bradley, by the way. But uh, the, 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 it would be a sign that the Celtics knew what they had in Jalen Brown, and we're going to put their trust in him. The other thing that the Celtics are definitely getting is balance, um, and they've been getting it throughout the course of the season. 22 for Brown last night, 22 for Kyrie, a bunch of other guys in double figures. Jason Tatum, 12. Semi Ojale, 11 off the bench. Uh, Terry Rozier, 12. Daniel Theis, 10 and 10. 10 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, the, the pickup from Germany is playing a role off the bench. So they've got some balance. And they're getting contributions from a lot of different guys. I know yesterday was a bit of a garbage time game. You know, they're going to have to shorten the bench as, as the season goes on into the playoffs for certain. But uh, at least they know they've got guys who can contribute. And, and they've got, obviously, the coach and Brad Stevens who can get them in the right spots. So, uh, <clears throat> big ups to the Celtics. Six in a row going into the to, to the Oklahoma City game. Uh, I'm not expecting a win in that game. But if they're competitive, it'll say a lot. And I think you got to be very, very happy, if you're a Celtics fan, surprisingly happy, that the team has come together and performed quite well after what was unquestionably a devastating injury. Uh, in, in on opening night, and well, think about. It. I mean, and think about it this way: <clears throat> the Celtics are six and two overall. One of the two losses was the game where Kyrie, or, or excuse me, not Kyrie, but Gordon Hayward got hurt, and they clawed their way back in Cleveland and almost won it. And then the only other loss was the game that happened right after that, when they were still a bit shell shocked. They've won every other game they've played, and that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd sign up for that. You'd sign up for that with Hayward, let alone without him. So they got a nice tight group up there. A nice, a good young, it's a young team, obviously, but they're tight. They're playing very well for their coach. It's been a nice surprise in, in, in Celtic land early on in the season. And 
I'm sure they were going to go through their struggles because teams always do and young teams will forever do it. They'll go through struggles at some point, no question. But you got to be happy with, with the effort the Celtics have given, where the team stands. I mean, you hope Hayward comes back healthy, obviously, next year. But I, I really like where this team is now, and, and I'll enjoy watching them down the stretch. So with the Celtics down, let's tear the parquet off and reveal the ice, and, and we'll do the Bruins. And the big Bruins news from yesterday wasn't nearly as good. And it had to do with David Backus. And anybody who was watching David Backus could tell that he was not 100%. He had the diverticulitis, uh, which is which is nothing to sneeze about. It's a, it's a terrible condition and, and, and causes a ton of pain and weakness. And he came back out onto the ice, and he just wasn't himself. And, and the team doctors announced yesterday, and the team announced that he's going to undergo colon surgery. He's actually going to have portions of his colon removed and he's going to be down two months out to out for about eight weeks or two months and I would not be surprised if it's longer than that that could if it's any longer than that that could end David Backus's career in Boston and I mean I don't know it's, it's too early to say that I mean maybe he comes back and I know you know two months is not the end of the season but having read about the condition and you know knowing a little bit about it it is that's ser that's a serious surgery. Uh, I mean, diverticulitis and and you know colon issues wreak havoc with your with your intestines and your stomach and uh, your your gastrointestinal system. I mean, it's just it's it's a lot to take in. It's it it'll be a successful surgery. I mean, you know, you, you think how part of your colon's removed. How's he going to do? Well, he's going to be fine. It, it's a relatively routine surgery in that world, but it's still a serious issue. And you wish the best for David Backus. The thing I want to mention about him, I mean, people are down on him because he didn't have a great year last year. Obviously, he come, he you know didn't do much for him early on this season. David Backus is a really good hockey player. He's a really good hockey player. He was the captain in St. Louis for a little while. You know, people looked at the signing when they did it and they said, well, it doesn't really make sense. That's not what they need. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but... David Backus is a very good hockey player when healthy. He's a good passer. He's a good leader. He's rugged. He can score goals. I would contend that he hasn't been healthy since he's been in Boston, and that has hampered his production. I'd also contend that he's been forced to play a little bit out of position and a little bit away from the norm for him. you got to remember that, that Backus was a top-line center in St. Louis or a wing, wherever he was playing. He, he was always on one of St. Louis's top two lines. And he was always playing next to guys that could score and could really skate. Tarasenko being the big one. He played next to Vladimir Tarasenko a lot in, in, in St. Louis. He wasn't the only one. He was always playing against guys who could who, who could really score, is my point. And and when, when he came to Boston, you can put part of that on him. I mean... There wasn't, but there wasn't really room for him on a top line. I mean, the Bruins had Marchand and and Bergeron enmeshed with each other. Bacchus and Pasternak. There, you know, Bacchus is, you know, or uh, sorry, not Bacchus, Krejci and Pasternak. Excuse me. There wasn't really room for for David Bacchus to play on a top line unless he was going to play out of position. I mean, he's been a center 
for, for most of his career. And it just seemed like an odd fit. You know, you can put part of that on him. You got to adjust the game. You got to understand the role that you're coming into. But you can also kind of put that on the front office. I mean, it just it wasn't really a fit to bring this guy in. It didn't seem like a fit at the beginning. And it's nothing against him, like David Backus personally. Because like I said, I think David Backus is a good hockey player. I think he's a very good hockey player. It just it didn't seem like a fit on this team. And I know that, you know, there there's all this discussion, should you should you sign players for fit or should you just sign the best available available players and, and put them into positions? And you can kind of go either way on that in different sports. In hockey, I think you have to take a look at your roster and think about what you really need. Because if you're playing guys out of position in hockey, you're asking them to do a lot of different things that they wouldn't normally do. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't want to overreact and say, well, this is the end of David Bax's career. He was terrible. I mean, he could come back and be very good next in, in the winter and the spring of this season, and I hope he does because I like him. It just seemed like an odd fit from the beginning. And I know there, there was a lot of talk in the offseason that the, that the Bruins were going to try to get out of Bax's contract this offseason. I think if he succumbs to this injury, and like I said, I think this is a more serious condition than, than people realize. I, I think it very well could be the end of his career in Boston. They could try to get out of the contract in the offseason, although they definitely need to rid themselves of Matt Bolesky in the offseason. They're paying this guy to do nothing, Bolesky. They're going to have an interesting decision on both of them. It could be that, but, you know, let's let's see how Bacchus comes back. I mean, he's going to be down for two months. They're saying, I think it'll be slightly longer than that if I had to guess. But if he comes back and plays very well, we don't have this discussion. We'll talk about how good he's playing in January and February. But I, I, only, I bring this up only to suggest that the, you know, the David Backus signing was a terrible decision because he's not that good of a player takes are wrong. I mean, the guy can play. He's a good hockey player. So get rid of that. Whether he was a fit is a different story. I mean, you can you can have that discussion, but but don't knock him for being a bad hockey player. He's just not that. As for the team as a whole, currently fourth in the division. It's very early. It's worthless to look at division standing so early. Uh, but they're kind of mid-pack in the East. Tampa Bay has gotten off to a blistering start and is leading the division by quite a bit. Uh, the Bruins play tonight. They play at home. And they play, they play the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that got them uh, not too long ago in Vegas. They, they, the team that's off to a really good start, the expansion team off to a very, very good start. Uh, and I'll tell you, if you look at their roster, I mean, they got a lot of good players on that roster that were left unprotected. I mean, James Neal was left unprotected. James Neal's a really good hockey player. Riley Smith, I mean, Bruins fans know him. They love to hate him a couple years ago, but another good hockey player. You know, they've got good players up and down the roster. It's, it's a very strong-looking expansion roster. And they're off to a very, very nice start in their first year in Vegas. So, game tonight on Nesson. Check them out. Uh, they'll go. This is the first of three in a row at home. Play a couple more over the weekend, and I think maybe Monday. And uh, you will see where the Bruins stand and, and what kind of lines they're going to throw out after that. So let's jump over to the gridiron. Let's talk Patriots for a second. The Patriots, uh, obviously, on their bye week, uh, no game to worry about on Sunday. So you can take the weekend off from football if you want. Uh, but a little bit of injury news on the Bruins front.
moment. Chris Hogan, first of all, had an MRI in his shoulder. Shoulder. You'll remember that he got knocked out of the game after kind of a hit in the back. He fell on his shoulder. It looked really bad on the. On, you know, he came off kind of holding his arm, and I kind of started thinking broken arm, but. It's nothing like that. MRI was pretty clean. He needs doesn't need surgery. He just needs to rest it and rehab it. Uh, there is a chance that he'll be ready when they play Denver a week from Sunday. He may need to sit that game out, but it is not thought to be serious, which is a big relief. And this guy, I mean, this guy, by the way, is tough as nails. He'll play through anything. Uh, but it is a big relief to me that Chris Hogan is 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 not hurt. Chris Hogan to me. If I could just kind of wax on him for a minute. Chris Hogan was one of the biggest unsung heroes of the team last season. And I know it's difficult to call him an unsung hero because he caught a couple of touchdown passes against Pittsburgh. And he had some big big games for him. But this guy does an awful lot on the field that gets overlooked. He's one of the best blocking wide receivers in football if you watch him. He throws good blocks downfield when guys get sprung. He blocks on the line very well. I mean, he is tough as nails. I mean, he gets nicked seemingly in every game and plays through a ton of injuries. Uh, so, I, and, you know, with the with the Patriots' wide receiving core being as, as short as it is this season with Edelman down and relying on really only one guy, quite frankly, that has any significant experience in the system, in Dan, you know, in Danny Amendola. I mean, you realize Chris Hogan is the second most seasoned, I guess, or, or veteran wide receiver on the team right now, and he was, it's only a second year with with Edelman being on being on IR. So I think the Patriots can ill afford to lose Chris Hogan for a long time, and they won't, it would appear. So good news on that front. Uh, in terms of you know the, the rest of the team, I mean, Eric Rowe remains in rough shape. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say, well, injury wise, where are they? I mean, they get, they get a bye week to kind of rest and recuperate. And that's a big deal. I mean, Eric Rose groin injury appears to be a major deal. It it sidelined him for several weeks. Luckily it hasn't killed them because Johnson Bottomosi has been very, very good. Jonathan Jones has been pretty good. They've come in and covered that. Stefan Gilmore, was potentially going to play last weekend, but he did not. Uh, you would expect that he's going to be on the field in Denver in a week and a half. So it seems like they're getting healthy. The bye week comes at a very good time for them, like I said. I mean, you you, you, you love having a bye week in the middle of the season like this. You really hate it when it comes early. I mean, I hate the early bye week. Really, really hate it. Uh, but um, it, it's coming at a real nice time for the Patriots to get a lot of guys some rest to get him kind of back into form. And, uh, the, you know, Hogan's news, obviously the best news, that, that he doesn't need surgery and he'll be okay. So where are they going from here? Let's kind of give an overview on the Patriots from here because there's, you know, you got a bye week and you can do it. At Denver coming off the bye. Denver is a team that is really looking for an identity right now. They just announced that they're going to switch quarterbacks. Brock Osweiler is going to start this Sunday in Philadelphia. The Broncos are struggling. I mean, they, they're coming off a Monday night loss in which they turned the ball over five times to the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, that was with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. He's not going to play on Sunday. I would expect that he's not going to play the following Sunday against the Patriots. I 
think they'll get Brock Osweiler, and obviously they have given Osweiler a tough time in, in, in the past couple of games they played against him when he was Houston's quarterback. So uh, it's, it's traditionally a tough place to play, Denver, but the Broncos are struggling, especially on offense. The Patriots are coming off a bye week. You know, I, I, look, we'll see how they – and the Broncos, are, by the way, are coming off a Monday night game against the Chiefs, which they lost from the ball over five times. And now they've got to go play the Eagles in Philadelphia, and the Eagles are the best team in football. So the Broncos could really be reeling by the time the Patriots – So they get Denver so next Sunday coming off the bye. Then a very tricky game in, in Mexico – against the Oakland Raiders. It's not a, a, a home game for the Patriots. It's a, it's technically a neutral site game, but a road game for the Pats against the Oakland Raiders in Mexico City. And this is tricky for a few reasons. One, it's in Mexico, so you never know what to expect. It's going to be a long trip. Two, it will be the Patriots' second game in a row being played at very significant altitudes. Denver, we know about Denver and how difficult it is to kind of breathe in that in that high air. Mexico City, the Azteca, is even higher. If you kind of ask anybody, any soccer player especially who's ever played there, the altitude over there is extremely high and it's, you know, it's polluted to no end, Mexico City. So playing in that environment, especially coming off a game in Denver, is a very tricky, tricky scenario for the Patriots. It's nice that they get a bye week this week to kind of prepare for it. Uh, because playing those two games back-to-back is, is very, very difficult in my mind. Then you come home to play the Dolphins, who look like they're kind of cashing it in. Then you get three road games in a row. At Buffalo, at Miami, at Pittsburgh. Before you play your final two at home against the Bills and the Jets. So... If it seemed like the Patriots played at home a lot in the in the early part of the season, you're right, it, they did. Because now they're going to go on a stretch coming off the bye where they play five out of six games away from Foxborough. Five out of six. Not exactly a tip, an, an easy stretch by any means. But they are 6-2. and two. They're going to be a... I, I, depending on how the Broncos do this weekend, I think they're going to be a favorite to win in Denver. They probably won't be a favorite to win against Oakland in Mexico. Uh, but then, I mean, they'll obviously be favored at home against the Dolphins. They could be favored in Buffalo. They should be favored at, at, in, in Miami. They probably won't be favored in Pittsburgh the way the Steelers are playing. So uh, that's the way the season's going to play out. It is, it is a tricky stretch for the Patriots. I don't remember a lot trickier than this. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how they go. It, it, it's, a, it's a really nice time for the Patriots to have the bye, not only to recuperate the injuries, but to get ready for this stretch because it is it is a tricky one. So finally, I think we'll cap it off with some Red Sox talk. And there, there's not a ton of Red Sox-focused news right now, except for the fact that Alex Cora should be introduced as the Red Sox manager. I guess it could be as early as today. I would expect they're probably going to wait until the weekend at the earliest, because if you're just waking up now and didn't didn't see it last night, the Houston Astros are the World Series champions. They won five to one last night uh, in uh, in LA behind well behind a couple of things. They got on the board early. George Springer hit another home run, uh, four home run, you know, four games in a row with a home run in the World Series. Won the MVP. Uh, the Britain, Connecticut native. 
uh, takes it home, and, and the former Red Sox fan uh, takes it home for, for Houston. Charlie Morton gave them, uh, I think, four or five innings of relief last night and was awesome uh, and got the win in relief. It's hard not to root for Houston. I mean, I, I, I realize that they beat the Red Sox and ALDS, and, and they had a couple of guys that enjoyed themselves, but I mean, look, they're having fun. I, I don't have a problem with it. It was hard not to root for the Houston Astros, especially after the hurricane that happened down there. It's a really nice story. It's a lot like when the Red Sox won in 2013 uh, after the, the Boston Marathon bombing and the Red Sox came together and won a World Series. Well, Houston came together, uh, the Astros came together and, and, and won a championship for that city. First championship in Houston Astro history. Very, very cool for that city, who, who doesn't have a lot of championships. The, the city doesn't have a ton of championships, period. The the Rockets won a couple in the mid-90s behind Hakeem Olajuwon. But, uh, you know, the Astros had never won before. The Texans have never won anything. I don't think the Oilers ever really, in their existence, I don't think the Oilers ever won a Super Bowl. I don't know that they got close, quite frankly. Uh... Maybe they won an AFL championship or something like that, but I, I don't remember it. So, nice to see for Houston. I was happy for it. I would have been happy if the Dodgers won too because I think they had a, they had a nice team as well. And I, obviously I like Dave Roberts, but nice story for Houston to win a World Series last night.